BetMGM World Series odds. Oh, if you thought the Dodgers were going to get Otani and you put some money down on the Dodgers, what, a few weeks ago? Yeah. Probably pretty happy with yourself right now because the Dodgers are all the way up to plus four hundo. It keeps moving. Now, it didn't move a ton since Yamamoto went from plus 450 to plus 400, but still, I mean, uh, that is a pretty heavy favorite right now over the Braves at plus 700. Uh, the Yankees at plus 900, and then you get to kind of the four figures after that. So let's bring in our friend Stadium's Russ Dorsey right now. First off, reaction. Were you surprised to see that Yamamoto ends up with the Dodgers? Because I thought he was going to be a Yankee. I put the Dodgers in the two spot in terms of favorites. What about you? No, I don't I don't think I was surprised at all. I think after Shohei Otani signed there, it allowed the Dodgers a pitch that no other team in baseball could make. It's just like, look, we just got the best player in the world who's also your countryman. Come come pitch for the Dodgers. And then in 2025, when he's back in this rotation, it'll be you and him at the top. Tyler Glasnow has also come here. Um, and I think it's a, a little bit of insurance for the Dodgers. If you look at their future, Walker Bueller going to be a free agent after the end of this season. If Walker Bueller, you know, tests the free agent market, you still have Yamamoto. You have Shohei coming back. You know, you have uh, Bobby Miller, who's a stud, Emmett Sheehan. So, the Dodgers have really you know, created a rotation that can compete with anybody in the future. I think if you look at right now, they're going to still have a lot of those young guys. I think, you know, can Tyler Glasnow stay healthy? There are some questions that are still there. But to go out and say, you know what, 12 years, 325, we don't care about the money. We want to win right now, and we want you to be our guy. So the only thing that also kind of steered me towards the Yankees was that there have been players in the past from Japan that don't want to go to a team that already has a star coming from their fellow country, right? So Otani just signs with the Dodgers, and Yamamoto certainly likes the spotlight, according to Adam Jones, who's on the show all the time, who knows him well. So I just didn't know exactly what he was thinking, and then evidently he actually really wanted to play with Otani. I always thought it was kind of a, a silly thing to care about sharing the spotlight. I actually also think about it this way, Russ. For Otani, he was heavily involved in the recruitment. This takes some burden off of him. I mean, Japanese media will be there in droves regardless, but now they have another person to talk to who's a big deal. So what did you think of that dynamic? No, for sure. And I, Look, it's 2023, about to be 2024 next week. Maybe that was the logic back in the day. Like, oh, I don't want to be on the same team as another Japanese player. Now it's just like with the age of social and everybody has a brand and all that, maybe that doesn't matter as much anymore. And look, the times change, years change, people change, society changes. So I wouldn't be surprised if that changes as well. To your point about also having another Japanese superstar on your team who happens to be the biggest superstar in the sport in Shohei Otani, it probably you know does for Shohei say, okay, yeah, I don't have to be the guy. I don't have to be the one that... I'm, only people are talking to me. People can talk to Yamamoto as well. And then also you have Mookie Betts in one corner. You have Freddie Freeman there as well. Like this team is stacked, man. Like it's loaded. This is a team that you would create on uh, MLB The Show. <laughs> but I also think to Kratzy's point before, still got to play 162, right? So many things. And we all know baseball. So many things can happen over the course of a season. Dudes get hurt. Dudes don't perform like you think they will. And so – I'm really intrigued by this entire offseason for the Dodgers because I think this is something that was long in making for them in terms of going out and getting Shohei Otani and also still having irons in the fire with Yamamoto 
and Dylan Cease. Then you get Glass now. So those prospects that they didn't move for a guy like a Dylan Cease, they still have them, right? If they wanted to go out and fill the rest of their needs, they have the prospect capital to do that. And that's what leads to my next question. First off, don't listen to Kratzy. He's most of the time he's wrong. All right, <laughs> they're, they're they're World Series champions right now. Okay, either way, um, what what is their next move? Is there going to be something else? I don't mean to jump into this fire. You talk about prospect. What else do they need? Do they need anything else? Yeah, I think when you look at their their outfield, I know when I was at the winter meetings, they were you know listening on maybe some outfielders uh, to to platoon with Jason uh, Hayward out in right field. But when you can bring in a guy like a uh, Manny Margot in the Glasnow deal, that kind of takes care of that. So I wouldn't imagine that they're still looking for outfielders, but you never know with the Dodgers. I think they're looking at relief pitching right now. A couple weeks ago, they were in on Josh Hader and and interested in shoring up the back end of that bullpen. Is that where they go at this point? Seeing as haters probably going to get the largest deal a, a relief pitcher, a closer has gotten, who knows? But I don't think you can ever count the Dodgers out of anything when it comes to money. And so I think if they were to do anything, it is to start to address that bullpen. Okay, so in every great competition, we celebrate the winner, confetti. You know who else gets confetti in their hair? Second and third place. Who do yeah. you feel like is second and third place right now? Looking up at the Dodgers like, oh, man. As blue confetti just keeps raining down on them. Uh, well, the Giants are the obvious choice, right? And for several off-seasons now, when you miss out on Correa and you miss out on Judge and you miss out on Harper and you miss out on Machado, at some point you're looking at yourself in there man, I thought we were good. I thought we were a good choice. Like we had money. And I think you look at their roster now and obviously they, they're able to win the Jung Ho Lee sweepstakes. So you bring them in, put them at the top of your lineup and you look at the rest of that lineup. They're, you know, they're not horrible, right? You have guys that can play in the big leagues, but you ask yourself, who is their big dog? Who is that guy that's going to strike fear in opposing pitchers? And they really don't have that guy. And at some point, you got to get that guy. This, I just don't think this is the offseason, especially if you weren't going to land Shohei Otani, where that guy is out there. Could they say, all right, we're going all in on Cody Bellinger? Sure. But is Cody Bellinger the one we saw all of last season that was an MVP candidate? Or is he closer to being the guy that we saw the three seasons prior to that? I, I think they're going to have to ask themselves some tough questions because are you willing to now overpay for a guy mm-hmm. because you've missed out so many times. And one of two things here, do guys really want to go to San Francisco? I, I think that's a, a viable question. I think that's a real question that most people have just the same with Toronto. Like why aren't guys going there? Like that's the thing. And do you think even if they get one of those guys like a Bellinger or a Chapman, I mean, it's, they're good, but it's not like, Oh, we got them. Like, no, their guys are off the board. Like, is it still a win for San Francisco? I think the you got to do something. I'm in that that you know area with the Giants because they had a couple seasons ago that 107 win season, right? Where Buster's last year in the big leagues, he absolutely crushed, right? Played really well, rode off into the sunset. You got the best out of Brandon Crawford late in his career. You got the best out of Lamont Wade Jr. You got the best out of Yaz. And then the Dodgers won 106 games that season, too. So it's not like you just wiped out the rest of the division. The Dodgers are right on their neck. And then since that season, 
They just haven't been able to put the pieces together. You know, those guys that played so well that year have not played as well since. And so until they can get that all-star MVP candidate in that lineup, I think it's going to be really hard for the Giants to compete in that division, especially now that the Dodgers have done what they've done, because this isn't something that is short term, right? (laughs) These brothers are signing 10, 12, 13 year deals uh, in L.A. So this is a team you're going to have to see and you're going to have to see them for a long time. And some fans in the chat right now are bringing up good points about San Francisco, for example. Like, you would trade all of the winning that they had not too long ago for going through some of these ups and downs right now. The problem I have is when you go in on certain players and you don't come out on top because maybe you do need to overpay, like Todd mentioned. Sometimes Toronto needs to do that. San Francisco might need to do that at this current time period based on some of the mediocrity in the past couple seasons and the way that they've platooned and done all of the uniqueness with their starting pitchers that pisses some guys off. And um, so I'm curious, let's bring up Dan Shaughnessy's tweet here first in reaction to Ray Ratto, uh, two guys that are very vocal in their respective markets, Ray in the Bay Area and Dan in Boston. So Ray said, the best team in baseball history is all the free agents the Giants were allegedly in on. And then Shaughnessy said, sorry, Ray, the in on Red Sox beat the in on Giants. Maybe a four-game sweep. So we're seeing a lot of that so far this offseason. And also, I just want to take us to what Peter Gammon said, because this is in reference to um, Red Sox ownership saying, full throttle offseason. So the full throttle promise may be a promise them anything and they'll buy it may result in better pitching than last place three out of four years. But it has made Craig Breslow's job more difficult. He didn't deserve an organizational credibility issue. Someone above him sparked. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I think when you look at the Red Sox, they are a team that should be at the big kids table, right? They are a team that should be a finalist for all of these dudes. But we're in a what have you done for me lately business. And if you look at what the Red Sox have done lately, it hasn't been sitting at the big kids table, right? Like, I think if you even go back as far as Mookie Betts, why does a guy like that not finish his career in Boston? You have a guy who is from year to year, a top three player in all of Major League Baseball, has so many different skills, a superstar, superstar. Yet you say, hey, man, it's not going to work here. All right. Mookie goes off to L.A., crushes. And then Xander Bogarts, guy was leader in that room, right? A guy who was there from the time he was 21 years old, playing third base, moves over short, becomes the X-Man there in Boston, doesn't stay. Goes off to San Diego. And look, I love San Diego too, so I I don't begrudge him for that at all. (laughs) And then when somebody gives you $280 million, you're probably going to make that jump over to the West Coast, but you're not able to keep Xander Bogarts in Boston. Raphael Devers, there were a lot of questions. All right, is this the next guy to become a stud in Boston and then leave and go somewhere else? Well, after everybody else is out the door, yeah, we got to keep this guy here. They were able to figure out that extension for Raphael Devers. But outside of Devers, Tristan Casas having a good year last year, who is that next guy for the Red Sox, right? Is that a guy you're going to develop? Is that guy you're going to go out and get in the trade market and free agency? They need more in Boston. And I know that fan base wants winning baseball again. You know, they have the guy that they believe is their manager for a long time and Alex Cora there, but he can't do it with smoke and mirrors. At some point, you need somebody there alongside Rafael Devers, alongside Chris Sale, to really take you in this next era of Red Sox baseball. 
So they have the pieces there, but the Fenway Sports, they own Liverpool. They put some pieces into Liverpool, but they never make that final push. Are we seeing that same thing with the Red Sox? Because if there was a team that could monetize what Yamamoto brings, it's the Dodgers. They can absolutely dominate the Japanese market with Shohei, and they're essentially probably getting their money back in their salaries already with the other things they're bringing in. They brought over who I thought was going to be the American League Rookie of the Year in Yoshida, and so they could have monetized this is there a lack of continuity in the organization because the the young guys are coming up and so the development is doing their job whether that was Heim Bloom or not but is it ever going to matter because ownership has seen what hey you know what we did a little bit here and there and we still won in 18 we bought some teams back the other years so is it ever going to change I I think it's a good question. I, I think when you look at what they've done lately, until they prove to people that it will change, I think you have to say no, right? I do think it was important for them to go sign a guy like a Masataki Yoshida, right, who played so well last year and have him in that same lineup with Devers. That takes a lot of pressure off of Devers. As you guys know, you need you can't just have the one guy, right? It, that's a ton of pressure for a guy. You feel like people are pitching around you all the time. So Devers, uh, Yoshida. Casas. Then you you look at the pitching side. It's like, look, you went out and you got Chris Sale. You're able to win a World Series with Chris Sale in your rotation. But the health has always been a concern, right? So who's that <coughs> next guy? Like, I love Brian Bayo. Right? He's he's a great young arm. But who is going to be some of those other guys in that rotation where that young kid doesn't have to feel like, well, I got to be the guy all the time? Um, kind of similar to how Bobby Miller you know, was for the Dodgers last year where everybody's getting hurt. And then you have this rookie having to go out every fifth day and feel like they have to be the guy. But to your point, until they show that we'll make the, the, the go the extra mile to bring a guy in, I think they're going to struggle to, and you're going to be in a lot of this. Well, we were in on, in on, in on and hmm. finishing in third place. Well, let's finish with this a little uh, Chicago action for you. And there's some, Fans in the chat right now that are calling out Jed Hoyer and the Cubs because it's been quite quiet there since they brought on Craig Council. So this is one of the popular radio shows out there, right, in uh, Chicago, um, Waddle and Sylvie. And they said, um, Jesse Rogers goes, someone told me the White Sox are a major market team that acts like a small market team, while the Cubs are a major market team that acts like a mid-market team. Your chance to go on blast, and I would say we could probably focus on the Cubs right now because I'd say the expectations are higher for them to make a splash this offseason after going through some rebuilding over the last few years. I won't go on blast. I, I will say I'm a little bit surprised that they haven't done more, right? Like they've spent zero dollars on uh, Major League talent this offseason. That's a shock, right? When you're getting outspent by the Kansas City Royals, I think that's going to raise some eyebrows here in the third largest market in the country. I think what has been so surprising for those in the industry is that the Cubs made the splashiest splash early in the offseason when they said, you know what, we have a manager that we love, helped us win a World Series here. We're going to move on and we're going to go get the guy that we consider is the best manager in baseball in correct counsel. And I think for many people in the industry, that signaled that, okay, Cubs are back. You had a team that 
people didn't know that they were going to play well, played well last season. Last offseason, you had a guy like a Dansby Swanson, right? You extend Nico Horner, you extend Ian Happ. You feel like this was a team that was going to continue to ascend, and then you're waiting for that big move, and the big move hasn't come. So now you're looking at a team where Cody Bellinger was their best player all of last season. If Cody Bellinger leaves, you just lost your best player. So this, I think this is really a really crucial time for the Chicago Cubs. Now they have a, a really good farm system. So you no, know, they're gonna have to start using some of that prospect capital, maybe to bring some of those guys, some guys in to fill some of those gaps. But I am surprised that the Cubs haven't done more, at least to this point. They're on the clock, and some people think free agency starts now, and still about half of those free agents that are on the top list remain. So we'll see what happens, Russ. We'll talk to you in the new year. Happy holidays, dude. Same, guys. Ooh, we got some time for that's what he said right now, okay? Because we got some fire. Some. And I expected this. There's a guy, actually, who we need to get on the show at some point. Alex Verdugo is now a member of the New York Yankees, traded from the rival. Austin you see, he, had, he looked totally oh, yeah. different with no beer. You want to see it? You want to see it? I want, I want, I want the world to see it. Yeah. Okay. So first off, we got a couple things. Let's start with his initial reaction to being traded yeah. to the Yanks when he talked to the media. Reaction was, you know, mad. I was, I was hot. You know, I was just like, man, they really sent me to the rivals, the Yankees, like this, that, and then, uh, you know, after about a day, I just started sitting back, started thinking, you know, just reminiscing about how this year went with the Red Sox, how, how. Um, just you know kind of everything that was going on and then and then i started thinking you know having guys reach out judge stanton garrett you know uh rizzo just these guys started all reaching out and, and just welcoming me to the team and um you know it just it just then got me excited man it got me excited i, I shaved right away just so i could like you know feel like i'm in it i work out every day in the yankees hat you know i got it right here just to kind of see it, like what it looks on me how it feels and uh Man, I'm just, I'm just like, you, like I said before, a fresh start. It, it feels good, you know. It feels good, and I just wanna, I wanna go to this organization, and I just wanna work hard, and I wanna uh, prove maybe a lot of these what you know he said, she said things wrong, and I wanna just show them like, you know, we're all people, man. We're all humans, and you know, yeah, we make mistakes, but how do we learn from it? How do we bounce back from it? And how how much stronger do we get from that? So. Um, I'm excited for, you know, this new fresh start and I want to really, I want to win the world series, man. But, you know, obviously we got to, we got to take it day by day. Very well spoken there. And yeah, you can't look away and I feel it. I feel your pain, Alex. Like if I shave, I lose like 10 years off of my age, which I guess oh, eventually will be cool. It. But Verdugo goes from looking 34 to looking 14. It looks like our perfect game player of the week. <laughs> for a free right? agent year? For a free agent year? He's young. You're going to forget about him. Gold Glove finalist. You're going to forget. Oh, this dude, he must be young. Boom. Paid. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's Verdugo. Yeah, okay. He, he's it. got one of these. You know what these are? Or it could be here, too. A little chip? Oh, yeah. He's got a good one. So before we get into it further, let's get one more Alex Verdugo clip on his former skipper, Alex Cora, who, let's be real, just didn't like him last year. Very, very excited to, to work with Aaron. You know, I've seen the way he has his back, like has his uh, his his players' backs. And, you know, the, the one that really gets out to me is when he's like, these these guys are savages, you know, and he's yelling at the umpire. And, I mean, that's something I want to see out of my head coach, man. I want to see some fire, some fight for the guys. And, um, you know, I think 
I think just instead of airing people out, you know, have their backs. And and uh, I'm I'm really excited for this fresh start and, you know, just to kind of get with the guys and, and really just, you know, just just change the narrative, man. Go out there, play hard, work hard and, and just have fun. And that's the biggest thing. Oh, and we go right to Jonathan Papelbon's tweet. Mm. <laughs> Verdugo, I mean, mm. Vertigo is a bitch. Cora has his players and teammates' backs more than anyone in the game. You aired yourself out by being late, lazy, and unproductive. If I played for Cora, I'm drilling this. Just saying. Now, Papelbon works for Nesson, too, for the Red Sox TV network. He's been on some FT stuff over the past few months, too. I mentioned that he's on Nesson, not because he would alter what he says, because Kratz, he says whatever the fuck he wants. But I think he just has some good insight on following the player last year. So his opinion has now been stated. Your thoughts? I mean, he said it with his chest. And that's that's what you want to see. But you also are getting you're getting a glimpse. Papavon's working for Nesson. He's not just like up in the booth, only like sitting there going, oh, well, you know, what's going on in the game? He talks to the players. He talks to the manager, not the head coach, by the way, the manager. He talks to different <laughs> players, like not just Verdugo. And he didn't just come out of, you know, he didn't come out of left field saying these comments. So there might have been more, more heat than we thought, especially based on Verdugo's comments too. But Papelbon, you said it with your chest. Listen, it's... I want to hear him say it with his mouth, though, as well, because, you know, the Internet, you could say whatever you want on there. Hey, listen, I know the guy, too. He's not afraid to say anything, but I want him to come out and say it with his chest like so I could see him, man. You know, you got those Twitter crazies. But, listen, if that might have been what the case was with Verdugo. I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here, but on the flip side, that's how we felt. And there's, you know, if a guy speaks his mind, you, you can respect him for it. It might not be right, but at the same time, that's maybe how he felt, or maybe he's a little bitter. Maybe he's still upset. So it's one thing where we got to hear what he says too as well. But you wish another player would say that besides, you know, an ex-player. But, yes. Wow. Here we go. Put him up. Need more Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, huh? Mm, love it. Duked love up. it. Stir it up. I mean, Verdugo called him out, though. Verdugo called out Cora, I'm saying, right? 100%. He was like, instead of calling me out, why don't you work with me? Right. Work with me behind the scenes and also understand, I guess you kind of said, like, if you make a mistake and you're late, then, you know, you should work with me on that. I think this wasn't an isolated incident. This sounded like it was a problem between those two all year. And it is a fact that Verdugo was late. Right. At least one time that was aired out very publicly from Alex Cora. I'm trying to see if I can find any good quotes or the exact time of when it was. But I think. That's a part where you have to look and say, okay. Uh, also, benched for a lack of hustle June 8th. And then it was the time in August where he showed up two hours before a game. And that's when Cora aired him out and said, you got to be there about five hours before a game. And Cora was kind of saying that was like one of the toughest days of his baseball life to be able to deal with something like that. You guys are players. Give us the lowdown. Like, who's in the wrong? If it happens once, are you like completely in the doghouse? And, and also, is there a difference between like four and a half hours before a game, which I guess could still be late, and then like two hours before a game? No, I, I just want to comment on this. Like there's – for every Red Sox – for every player, there's another player on each team. There's always at least 
I shouldn't say every team, but there's a handful of guys that do this every year. I, I've had one in pretty much every team I've played for where sometimes they're on, our, they're on their own schedule. And you're like, yo, dude, where are you at right now? So it's – Eric, I don't know if you agree with me, but it would be, it'd be nice to see the players advocate this more than a manager. So that goes a, sh- a sign for a better ball club, better camaraderie, better, hey, man, accountability. Um, but they're – He's not the only one. I'm not trying to help him or save him, but yeah, dude, I, I think the players need to advocate this and, and get on him if that was the case. You mean guys on his own team? Like, yes. hey, you got to yeah. show up earlier. Yeah. Of course. I hear that. I hear that. And Todd's, Todd's right. Showing up on time to say you're late, that's like that's tough in baseball because mm-hmm. you have a stretch time, but – even towards the end of my end of both of our careers, stretch times became pretty fluid. Like, oh, I don't, I don't stretch. I'm doing this. Oh, okay, well, that's your program. Like, hey, BP time is this. Why well, don't hit on the field? So guys, really, like, you got to be late, late to be called out for being late. Unless Core is putting on the board. You know, some managers will put on the board. Hey, day game, you got to be here by ten thirty. Now, obviously, guys show up at 8, kill spread, do their work. Maybe Verdugo doesn't do that stuff. And not everybody needs to do that stuff. I'm not a proponent of everybody's got to be here early and spend so much time at the field. No. Come to the field and work. You get your work in, and whatever time you need, that's it. If you're staying healthy on the field, get your work in, be at the field, hang out with the guys, but you don't have to be there and, like, meander around and like sit at your locker just because you're a rookie or something like that. No, you get to the field and you work. So maybe he felt like he didn't need to put the work in, but it was definitely more than one isolated incident. So before we flip over to FT <coughs> YouTube, um, who's the next big free agent to sign? The poll results have Blake Snell taking almost half of the pie right now versus Bellinger, Chapman, and Montgomery, if you put those four up against each other. You disagree? I voted Snell because I think the Giants are going to lock in Snell as quick as they can. Monty. Snell. Snell? I got Monty. Monty's going, Monty's going first, and it's going to be – I think this is going to be the next Yankee-Red Yankee Sox rivalry here. I think they're, they're going to both be in on my guy. Okay, we'll see. 